Welcome to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're so happy that you're here with us. We're those friends that you can take with you wherever you are on the path of infertility. Hello, this is Cassandra from Springs in the Desert. I am here with our co-founders, Kimberly and Anne, and we are so pleased to be able to bring you this conversation about healing in the context of infertility. We are going to talk about how the pain of infertility can be described so that we can better identify the areas of our life that are in need of healing. We will think together about what healing from infertility even looks like, share how we have experienced healing so far, and talk about some practical ways that we can cooperate with God's grace as we walk this path of infertility. So when I was 29 years old, I was diagnosed with uterine and ovarian cancer. And in the course of my treatment, I lost my uterus and ovaries and underwent six sessions of chemotherapy. And then the summer afterwards, when my husband and I had returned to our life in Spain, where we were living at the time, we took a road trip to Lourdes, where we had the privilege of experiencing the baths, which was so, so powerful, I think, for both of us. And I remember being there in the freezing water, asking God just to heal whatever was bad in me and to give me the grace I needed to get to heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 says, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? In the eyes of the world, it was too late for my infertility to be healed at all, since my uterus was gone, but there we were, asking for healing anyway, and although our healing is not yet complete and won't be in this life, we trust that God, the one who we ask to heal us, will not leave us wanting, because all of our good desires and needs cannot be fulfilled outside of him. And it's also true that God knows better than we do what in our hearts and souls and bodies is truly in need of healing, even if we are feeling a great amount of pain from something that is seemingly not being healed. So we wanted to kick off this discussion by considering how the pain of infertility can even be described so that we can better know the areas that we need to invite healing into our lives. And do you have any thoughts? Well, Cassandra, I'm so glad that you started with an easy question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's so so hard in some ways um, to describe. It's like the pain of infertility is both tangible and intangible. Mm -hmm. Like there's kind of the physical pain. I mean, I'm, I'm, at a point in my life where, you know, I've entered menopause, we're not trying anymore. That brings its own kind of physical experiences, like the heat I'm feeling right now. Yes. Um, (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it's the hormones, right? So, so like the pain of infertility, just in, um, you know, going through treatments, if you're doing that medications, I mean, Oh gosh, I remember like taking shots, giving myself shots, taking progesterone and, you know, doing all these things because we're trying to heal my body. Right. So, I mean, that's all good, but I mean, gosh, I can remember, um, Oh, those awful effects that I had from the progesterone, like just how, how physically and emotionally drained I felt. So I think there's, you know, that physical pain that can come through infertility. 
thank God I'm not someone who experienced those really bad menstrual cramps and that super heavy bleeding that um, I know a lot of our sisters feel, but, um, but there's those other pains. And then, I mean, just the emotional pain. And I guess for me, like the exhaustion, like there, there came so many times that I just felt exhausted from it all. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the pain, I guess, in the trenches, we can talk about the pain later down the road, but, but that's how it, for me, it was like in the trenches. Yeah. I think, um, for me, there was a lot of just feeling very isolated that nobody really knew kind of what I felt like. And, and so nobody could really understand what I was going through. Um, and then the pain of like not fitting in, not like not knowing where I belonged. I mean, my husband and I, we got married and moved to a small town where it seemed that everybody had gotten married very young and started having families right away. And here we were in our mid to late thirties. Um, we had come from DC where it was like, everybody was waiting until they were much older to get married in our group, but going to this little town in Ohio, it was like, everybody had married their high school sweetheart. So they had all these little children and we had none. Um, and so I, you know, I, I wasn't really fitting in with the moms, um, we started hanging out with a bunch of like all the empty nesters. Cause we were just like, who do we, you know, just feeling like, you know, that pain of just, I, I don't know where I belong. I don't know where I fit. Yeah. And I think we've heard that before too, from our friends who are experiencing secondary infertility when they are not feeling like they fit in with the moms because everyone is pregnant or has other children. Um, but they, they don't feel like they fit in with kind of the rest of the infertility community either. So it becomes kind of difficult to explain what infertility even is because we still have this longing. We have this longing um, for more children to bring more life into the world and others in our community who are long, longing to meet the children that they have conceived. And they get this longing. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up um, secondary infertility. I mean, before I had this experience of infertility, I, I mean, I didn't even know that term. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, the women who experience perhaps multiple pregnancy losses. I mean, those kinds of things were not even like it, on my radar. And um, so you see that this, this pain of infertility beyond everything that we've already expressed. I mean, it's like, it's like these ripples that just go out and, you know, you see, all of these different, um, you know, kind of ways in which real, real pain and longing is being experienced. And um, yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't been in it, you can be sort of blinded to it. So I can kind of understand how um, the people on the outside, you know, we feel like we don't fit in. And but the people on the outside aren't looking at us necessarily that way. But they, I think many times, just have no idea what the pain and the longing really is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, right. So for some people who are on the path of infertility, you know, we know that some people will get pregnant and, and they will have a baby. But for the three of us who are now 
kind of physically beyond that capacity, healing from infertility is going to mean something different. So I wanted to take a minute to talk about what what do we even think healing looks like for the three of us? Um, that's another um, question that I think is so multi-layered. And for me, I think it it kind of changes somewhat mm-hmm. depending on what season of life I am in. But I want to first say that um, with infertility, primary infertility, infertility, secondary, multiple losses, um, wherever you are on that kind of spectrum, um, infertility is something to grieve. It's a real loss whether or not you have lost a child, just that possibility of being pregnant, not being fulfilled is a, is a loss and something to be grieved. And so for me, I guess, you know, what did I, what do I think about the possibility of healing for so many years in my marriage? It never crossed my mind because I didn't acknowledge that this was a loss. I didn't acknowledge that this was something to grieve. And um, I would kind of beat myself up over it, right? Of like having these feelings of like feeling so sad or, you know, getting a pregnancy announcement or being invited to a baby shower. And now I'm having all of these emotions. And then I would start to think, oh my gosh, you're just being so selfish or you're being, you know, you're weak or or whatever it might be. And it's because... Um, I didn't acknowledge, I think, that I needed to be healed. And once that realization came, um, it kind of opened up. Um, It opened me up. It opened my heart up. And I'm still in that process, by the way, so that no one thinks, you know, I've got the answers. Mm -hmm. Um, But just discovering that it's possible to be healed is, is huge. Yeah, I think um, that's a great point. And, and I think for me, it was healing was the recognition that I could not make this happen. Um, and that it was not my duty to make this happen. You know, I, I think I felt this pressure that I had to do absolutely everything in my power to try to conceive. I mean, I was doing the diet, the gluten-free, the dairy-free, the grain-free, you know, all the diet stuff, you know, the shots, the injections, like, you know, chemical, like all the, all the health things I could possibly control. Um, I did everything. I did everything and it still wasn't happening. Um, And for me, healing began when I recognized that I could just let this go. I could just let this go. And that, you know what? God was still going to do something good for me. That when I could come to the place of accepting that God has good things in store for me, it's okay, um, I don't have to make this happen. There's nothing I can do. Um, I think I finally got to a place where I I was able to receive what God had for me. 
And that was so freeing and so healing for me. Um, that notion of just putting myself in a place of receptivity. That was huge, a huge part of my healing. And that takes vulnerability, doesn't it, Kimberly? Like that can be scary. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it really was. You know, the only way I think that I could get to that place is through praying a lot and learning more and more about who God was, who God is, Mm -hmm. Um, learning more about God, reading the saints, reading the stories of the saints. That really inspired me a lot. Um, I met. I met a, a nun one time and she told me that her morning prayer looked like she would, um, you know, she would have some, some of the like regular prayers of the church that she would say, and then she would spend, you know, about 15 minutes a day reading a little bit of a saint um, and then having some silent, some time just to receive whatever the Lord had for her that day, just some time in silence. But that encouragement to read more of the saints, that helped me a lot to learn more about who God, who God is. Mm -hmm. That's how I, you know, from hearing from people who were very close with him. Yeah. And that idea that the saints are real people and that they did have past and a lot of them had conversions. I mean, we look at the life of St. Francis of Assisi and it's like, well, good. You know, we have company too, you know, but also that the life of every saint is so different, um, but that God desires to heal us as people and as individuals and that he in his infinite love has a path of healing for each one of us. But I think we also have to remember that healing as in the gospel accounts of, of the miracles of Christ, you know, that the healings were different for everyone. um, But there was also a greater purpose to that healing. And that purpose was to spread the gospel message, you know, and to, to bear witness, to bear witness to God. are there any ways where you can see kind of looking back on your life, God's healing hand? I mean, maybe in a way to acknowledge how how far you've come, but also how it makes us see how far we have left to go. Um, I think in terms of my infertility, that is still a work in progress, although I can look back even maybe two years, because I really think it was probably about two years ago that I acknowledged um, that infertility was something to grieve. And then I opened myself up to be, to, to allow the Lord to begin that process of healing. And, you know, it came through like this community and, you know, two years ago, this community was Kimberly and me and like, you know, that was kind of it. And we, you know, and I mean, we sort of felt like, you know, oddballs, like, does anybody else feel this way? You know? And I mean, obviously, you know, we, we started Springs in the desert and then people started coming to us and saying, yes, I feel this way too. And that was huge for me in acknowledging the grief and then like setting me on the path toward healing. So, you know, I, I just encourage all of us to seek out community, you know, springs in the desert, your friends, my gosh, your spouse, you know, your husband, like you are on this team together that that's what it meant that's 
what you're meant to be. God has brought you together for a reason and that healing can come, you know, through your love for each other. Um, so I just think for me, the experience of community has helped me to see how the healing is unfolding. I think for me, the, that notion of healing has, as I have come to learn more of what it means to be a mother, because I think it can be one of the things that we could be grieving is sort of the, I don't know the, uh, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing to even say, but like sort of that Instagram, Facebook vision of motherhood where it's yes. like, oh, mm-hmm. I have my beautiful, <laughs> Cassandra, you said it the, the other flower day. crown, the chiffon <laughs> robe and the photo shoot. Oh my goodness. That's not what motherhood is. have those in our we all have those in our closet ready to, right? No, I mean, I had, I had like started collecting maternity clothes for heaven's sakes, you know? I mean, but just like that, that idea of like, oh, to have life within me and this like beautiful romantic notion. I mean, it is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But, you know, sometimes we focus so much on the beauty of it that we like forget, you know, a lot of women are really sick when they're pregnant and they're throwing up and they're, they're feeling horrible. I mean, it always baffled me when I'd meet somebody who would say like, oh, I hate being pregnant. I was like, what? Like, that's all I want. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't imagine hating it. But, you know, I had this very, um, unrealistic vision of what motherhood was, I think, Mm -hmm. and really kind of looking at motherhood as a fulfillment of my desire and um, something um, like an experience that I really wanted to have. I mean, which is, it's not, that's not a bad thing, but what I, I I feel like my view of what a mother is has matured so much. And really, I feel like that healing started when I became a foster mother and we had our first baby and I brought him home from the hospital and I was holding him in my arms and I'm realizing like his birth mom was not able to take care of him. And I was filled with this immense gratitude that I could be his mother at that moment. He, this baby needed a mama and I was his mama. And I didn't know if I was going to get to stay his mama. I didn't know like if this would be forever or if this would just be for a few months. But I knew that in that moment, without a doubt, that I was his mama. And it was such a healing to my heart because I could... I could be that mama. And and regardless, let's just say he went back with his birth mom. Like I would always, there was always be a place for him in my heart and for me in his heart. Even if he didn't consciously remember me, I was part of giving him the love that he needed. And so I just began to see motherhood in much more of, I think, the truth and reality of what it was as, as a giving and, you know, a giving of myself and, and not so focused on what I would receive from it. Mm -hmm. I love that, Kimberly. And I think it shows that God heals us not in, you know, it's it's not like God sends us a form letter that says like, this is your healing. And, you know, he just changes the name at the top. Like he heals us in the way that is most beneficial to us 
and to our salvation. So that's one of the things, I mean, we talk about that Instagram and comparison. Well, I think that also goes to the way that we're healed. We can't compare, just like we can't compare crosses, we can't compare healing. God heals us, brings us that healing that we need in the way that he knows we need it and will be most beneficial for us. And I think it's also important to point out that not only is everyone's healing specific to them, but it's also it doesn't always look like a straight line or like that that graph that's just going up and up and up. I know in my experience, I, for a while, I was like, I'm doing great with the infertility, basically like getting involved with springs in the desert and everything's going fine. And then I just realized that none of my friends had gotten pregnant in a while and I got hit with like three or four pregnancy announcements. And I was like, oh, well, maybe not, you know. But, you know, I needed that break to kind of mature and kind of heal on my own. And now, you know, that kind of second wave of kids, how your friends have kids in waves, you know, now the second wave is coming. Um, and, you know, it's going to be different this time around. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to say, like, I'm fully healed from my infertility. I have perfect peace and acceptance all the time. But, you know, we trust that God is just leading us by the hand, um, but that the speed in which we walk down this path is not always going to be the same. Um, so just as we wrap up, we just wanted to talk a little bit about how how do you think God is working in your life to heal you now? I, for me, I think God is um, healing me through this community, like just um, just to, to receive, um, all the stories and, and this outpouring from the people who come to Springs in the desert, whether they come to, you know, um, a retreat or they email us or they message us on our social media, you know, just as I get further along in my own process of healing and I am leaps and bounds from where I was a couple of years ago, or probably even six or eight months ago, um, much farther along on the road to acceptance. And I'm so grateful for that. But especially when, when I receive some of these stories, I, I, Think of it like um, St. Paul talked about that little thorn that God allowed to be and remain in his side. And for, for Paul, it's to keep him um, from being prideful. And maybe that's what God wants for me too. But, um, but I will still get these little twinges every once in a while for whatever reason, a pregnancy announcement like will just hit me out of the blue or whatever it might be. Um, and I really believe that's God's way of reminding me of where I came and how far I've come. Um, but also to be compassionate, to be, um, to be open to receiving the pain of another, to, to, um, cultivate that empathy and that generosity. And so it may sound weird, but in some ways, um, I feel grateful for that tiny thorn um, because I think it helps me to grow and to heal. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we all 
are going to continue to need healing until we are before God and the beatific vision, you know? And so I think like this pain reminds us that we are not made for this world, um, that we will never be fulfilled completely in this world. Um, our fulfillment is in God alone. And now that I am a mother of four through adoption, I mean, that has been an amazing healing experience. Um, but yet I see even now, like, well, that didn't, that's the, the, the experience of being a mother now is really hard. I think it's really, really, really hard. And, uh, again, I'm seeing how much healing I need, um, to be able to pour myself out to these children, to be loving, to be kind, to be generous, to, you know, it's like, it's not like, oh, I'm a mother now. I've arrived. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Like my work is just like the work of the God's work is just beginning on another level. Right. I mean, it's like that notion of, of surrender to God, that notion of trusting in him, that notion that, um, I can't, I can't achieve, like, I can't achieve the things that I want. I can't like suddenly make myself a patient person. I can't suddenly, like, I am just constantly looking to God for his help. And I mean, I think that's the whole point of all of this, right? Is to like, if we, if we were, didn't, we wouldn't need God if we didn't need healing, like we wouldn't need him anymore. So it's about, you know, coming closer to, to the Lord, like, deepening our relationship with him, growing closer to him, more dependent upon him day by day by day by day is growing in our dependence and love of the Lord. And I mean, if, if our goal, if we think our goal is like healing and independence, like that's the wrong goal. Yes. <laughs> the, ro- the goal is to be like restored into the heart of the father, grafted in like to where we, we just know our powerlessness and that it's all God. Yes, and I love to come back to that quote from St. Augustine that you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. Absolutely. So just as we wrap up, what are some practical ways that we can cooperate with God's grace uh, as we are working towards healing? I mean, the sacraments. Like, to me, that's like the number one um, defense And the number one way that we can um, allow God into our hearts to heal them, um, I think we have to remember, and we take this for granted, or maybe we don't know because we didn't necessarily learn it this way, that the sacraments are personal encounters with God, like places where through very ordinary means, he touches us. So, I mean... I have a love-hate relationship with confession because, like, I get myself all anxious. Um, But when I go, it's like, oh, thank you, God, for this gift, you know, that's so freeing. Um, So go to confession. That helps your healing. And the Eucharist, you know, be fed by him and let him grow and live inside of you. Absolutely. I think also community, having a community of support of, uh, you know, of people struggling in the same way who are finding God, who are finding peace, who are finding um, inspiration, who are finding encouragement to keep going and um, 
and whose eyes are fixed on Jesus and who are encouraging us to continue to look to Jesus for support so that we're not trying to find um, fulfillment uh, or answers in this world, that we're not continually just um, expecting to be completely fulfilled in our marriage by our husbands, completely fulfilled by our children if we end up having children, that we aren't expecting that, but we are looking constantly to Jesus alone to to be our fulfillment, to give us what we need and to be our joy and peace. Right. And, and always nurturing our marriages, right? And I think part of that is making sure that we are also taking care of ourselves, um, making sure that we're getting spiritual direction if we need it, that we're getting counseling if we need it, um, so that we can so that we can be partners um, with our spouses, and also just prayer and and pilgrimage. I mean, we talk about you know being life is a pilgrimage towards Christ, and we talk about springs being a pilgrimage that has its ultimate goal in Christ. In Christ. But also we can make pilgrimages. I know when we were in Spain, there's a, the, more of a culture of the pilgrimage and everyone on the Camino and stuff. But it's a very bu- beautiful kind of physical reminder where you set out from your home to go to the holy place. And it's a it's a hard road to get there a lot of the time. But it's just kind of like a, I don't know if a symbol is the right word, but just a, a small representation of our life on earth. And, and the fact that our end and all of our healing is in God. Um, so thank you, Anne and Kimberly, so much. And thank you for joining us. Please visit us at springsinthedesert.org for more resources. And remember, us to fo- remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And you can always email us at info at springsinthedesert.org with questions or prayer requests. And if you like this podcast, please rate it and review it to help other people find us. Thank you so much. We love you and God loves you. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us for this Springs in the Desert podcast episode. If you have a minute, please rate and review us so that we can reach more listeners. Check out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. And go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter and hear about more things that we have going on. Most importantly, remember that God loves you so much, and so do we. 